Hey, y'all, I'm going to take a second to give a quick shout out to the official mortgage lender of the Hunt with Deep podcast. That's Casey Burns of Prime Lending Mortgage. I've known Casey for 10 years and he's the only lender I use. I've used Casey to purchase two houses and the process has been seamless and easy each time. He's the heart of an educator and he truly cares about what's best for his clients. He specializes in VA loans, but can handle FHA, conventional investment loans as well. He's a true expert and specialist in his field, and there's no one I recommend more than Casey. You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com. Reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithkc.com. Thanks, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Hunt, Lift, Eat podcast brought to you by Hunt, Lift, Eat Official. My name's Carter McKenzie, and we're back for part two of Mentors in the Outdoors Under the Temples, con- uh, coined by our very own Jack Rasmussen, who we got back on the podcast this week. What's going on, Jack? Hey, glad to be here. I'm a little, little sore this week after the, the Hero Week workout, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I had to, had to put my, my uh, old man mentality in my uh, Marine Corps uh, recovering Marine here, uh, and just just grown through it, man. And just you know, it's when it started to hurt, you just start thinking about the guys that they they was named after, and you stop trying to be such a wuss. Yeah, hundred percent. I was doing it with a buddy and feeling sorry for myself during Holbrook and around round seven. He was like, "Yeah, at least you're not being shot at." And I was like, "Yeah, good point." I'm gonna stop feeling sorry for myself and suck it up. So yeah, that's good perspective, man. And uh, coming at us from Nevada, we got Ian Corona. What's going on, Ian? Thanks for having me back. I um, had a wonderful time last time, and uh, I, too, did the modified version of Hero Week. I tried to uh, adapt it to my Alaska vacation, and so I didn't get killed as bad as everyone else, but I did try my very best to, to get killed. So I did what I could do, and I'll probably, I'm wrapping up some of it this week and doing a little bit more uh, at the gym on my own, so. Man, those are bruisers, all those workouts, huh? Yeah, they're smokers, man. And I don't know, uh, I guess Luke, when he was picking them, was trying to pick some where it's like weights, weights, and then more of a cardio day to f- for recovery, and then weights, weights. But, you know, ending with Holbrook and Tillman, <laughs> that was just, that seems like a mistake, in my opinion. I don't know. Jack, before we got on, you were saying <laughs> those hurt you too. Oh yeah, my my legs. You know, I could I get up in the morning and, and I could you know it's bad enough being fifty five and feeling like Rice Krispies when you're making the snap crackle and pop, <laughs> and then with the 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 added benefit of of my legs not being elastic now, you know, and those rubber bands being tight from all the deadlifts. Yeah, it was it was crushing. <laughs> those are just bruisers, man. And like you said, Jack, you you know you hear every single joint and every single pop and crackle that those old guys get a hold of and. It's pretty wild. <laughs> but you said you tried to do them on your uh, on your trip to Alaska, Ian, and the pictures you posted looked like an awesome trip. What a great time to go to Alaska. Um, but that's the cool thing about Hero Week is that it's like very scalable. And the objective is to complete it on your own and, you know, to honor the, the memory and the service of the folks that each workout represents, not necessarily do it as strictly or as prescribed for each one. Cause I dropped the weight for Tillman and, uh, Holbrooks for the, th- for the thrusters. I did it at 95 pounds instead of 115. You know, it's not worth hurting yourself over, but you know, that's the cool thing about all of these workouts is that they're scalable and doable. And hopefully everybody could see that as well. 
Yeah, I took Derek's advice on the uh, Murph and broke it into like 20, um, 20 sections. We did a lapse around the top deck of the uh, of the cruise ship and then went to the gym. And man, me and pull-ups just don't get along so well. It's a gravity thing. <laughs> yeah, pull-ups are, pull-ups are the worst, man. Pull-ups are the worst. And these workouts had a, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of pull-ups. Yeah, I suffer from the gravity problem too. It, uh, gravity has caught up to me. The older I get, the, the more of it, it, it affects me. <laughs> talking from, this kind of goes into what we were talking about last time and, and maybe what we'll talk about tonight, but um, you mentioned the, the Rice Krispie syndrome, Jack. What What does kind of y'all's recovery process look like, especially during such a week like Hero Week where the volume is so heavy and so massive? I mean- my recovery was a struggle as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm 29 and I should be able to pop back up, but I don't quite do it like I used to. And I feel guilty saying that and and looking you in the face. So (laughs) what did your, what does your recovery look like so that you can be as effective the next day these days? I tried to drink three 32 ounce jugs of water every day. And in my coffee every morning, I put collagen peptides to try to keep my joints uh, lubricated. I think it really helps. You know, my wife and I both use it. So I, I think that helps. And then, and then just, uh, I was hitting the sauna heavy this week too, hitting the, uh, uh, you know, the, getting the, the, the heat uh, stress into your system. You know, you, you read about it and it's supposed to be really good, good for you. So I did that. And then just really like stretching post-workout, hitting the roller, the foam roller, and that little handheld drill, the hand, the hand massager, you know, trying to move some of the lactic acid out of my, my system. And of course, getting that good amount of proper sleep every night if possible. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I too do that um, collagen peptides every morning. It's like, uh, it's become a sort of a religious thing in my house. And then, uh, I was fortunate, I guess fortunate. Um, the mornings weren't so wonderful, but getting up and it did a lot of walking. I mean, we probably put in five to seven, eight miles a day just walking around Alaska. And I mean, just uh, doing a lot of that kind of stuff. But getting moving is, I think, one of the better things, at least for me at my age. I got to keep moving. So, And if I'm doing that kind of stuff and I'm at home, you know, I'll usually r- jump on my bike, my, my mountain bike or my road bike and just do a few miles on that. I just got to keep moving. I know, you know, I, I know that if I sit still or I try to recover in a sedentary position, party's over for me, man. It takes me about a week to recover as opposed to a day or two. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Movement and, and hydration and the bike is a really good tip as well. Cause that's really low. That's low impact, low stress. And you're still, you know, still pumping blood and, and still helping out the recovery of the, of that, you know, affected tissue. So that's a good pro tip right there. But yeah, guys, let's uh let's jump into where we left off. I think we were talking about mentoring in the woods and uh kind of y'all's philosophy and how you found that. Well, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let's talk about the mentor relationship. Uh, since the last podcast episode came out, Ian, the fella that you actually or one of the guys that you mentor actually uh shot me a, a follow on Instagram. And he sent me a message and he was like, Hey, I'm the dude he was talking about who, uh, you know, 
Ian took me out deer hunting and it was like a suck fest. And it, and he was like, it was awesome. It was the best experience of my life. So shout out to James, but, um, is that the, is that ring a bell? Yeah. And actually he was, um, he was, he was messaging me while I was gone. He's like, cause man, how do I do this Murph thing? It's going to kill me. And I'm like, well, I'm breaking it up into 20 sections. You could probably do the same thing, but, um, yeah, James or JJ, how I, how I call him, but, um, yeah, he's uh, he got an archery tag this year, so we're going out again, and I'm gonna, you know, that's a whole new a whole new arena for him, and so we got a pretty rugged area that we're going into. So, a couple probably three weeks to a month, we're gonna go out and do some scouting, probably pack into where we're gonna hunt, and then uh, kind of figure out things from there. But yeah, he's uh, he's all in, and that's really uh, I'm super impressed by him, and I think. You know, when we talk about being the mentor, and I know last time we talked about, you know, making it a positive experience for these guys, it did, it does suck. And I think we embrace the suck to kind of quote Cam in uh, Cameron Haynes in his book, you know, we embrace the suck. And I think that's the part that really sort of drives us. I mean, I can't speak for Jack, but it, it seems to me that you're the same kind of guy. I mean, we sort of embrace that and we kind of see how far we could torture ourselves and then if we have some really good luck we're going to torture ourselves even more coming out with a pack full of meat so i i I think that's fantastic and i'm so glad that that he joined i think he he joined the challenge and you know my girlfriend joined the challenge and so you know it's just all about i think i think jack is a great example and i hope that i'm the same way people kind of hang out with us we they just they see us do our thing and i'm not like you know, I'm not preaching the gospel of hunting or outdoors, but I just do my thing. And I think people see that. And I think people see us enjoy it. People see us, you know, staying in pretty good shape and, and being able to handle those suck times. And I think they they want to see what that's all about. And if we give them a positive experience, I think that points us in the uh, positive direction of mentoring. Yes, I was, before we uh, came on, uh, we were talking and I was cleaning out the garage for my wife this weekend and I found some old work stuff and we had, uh, I found some thank you notes from three of the interns that we had and they were reciting back to me some of the lessons that I had passed on to them. Uh, one of them is fair. And I always told my kids fair is a place where you eat cotton candy and watch small handed carny folk. And so they, they read that back to me. And then luck, uh, luck is where preparation and hard work meet opportunity. So uh, I know you said luck, Ian, but I know you're a hard worker and a preparer and your luck comes because you prepare. And then when opportunity arises, you're, you're set, you're ready to go. So that's, that's one of the other um, things that I had passed on to those, to those interns. And then, um, I always used to say nothing sucks like success and people go, wait, wait, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right. I'm like, uh, you learn way much more from failure than you ever will from always doing something, getting it right. The first time there'll be an indelible mark left on you. There's all these little scars that are left on your brain, uh, from following something up. So I always say nothing sucks like success. So when we're training and you make mistakes, oh, this is the this is the place to make those mistakes. It's just like when we're out there hunting or scouting. You know, you you don't play the wind correctly, 
<laughs> you'll quickly learn that mistake as you see something run off. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, a really uh, engaging weekend for me by fond, finding those thank you notes. And it was kind of timely for coming back on to the podcast to talk about, you know, mentoring someone. Now this was in, in law enforcement, but those little rules that I have that can be used, used anywhere. Yeah. It all translates, right? It sure does. It sure does. Especially fair. Yeah. If everything was fair, I'd be six foot five and have a head full of hair instead of being bald. Right. (laughs) I couldn't agree with you more about the luck part of that. I mean, we, we call it luck, but I guess, you know, in this group of guys, you know, in this whole organization, I think, you know, you make your luck, right? You, you prepare and you overwork and you, you know, if you're going to do a hundred miles of hiking and a hunting trip, you better be training at three or 400 miles worth. And, you know, if you're going to carry a 50 pound pack, you better train with a 70 pound pack. And so you're absolutely right, Jack, you know, we make our luck and, and the harder we work, it's, it's funny, you know, and I, I'm not a fan of his, but the, the rapper Pitbull, you know, it says the, fun, the funny is, is all these people telling me from my home that how lucky I am. And he's like, yeah, isn't that weird? The harder I work, the luckier I get. And so I totally believe that. You know, I think that you're absolutely on, on to something there, Jack. And I, I firmly believe that, you know, there's been times when I've gone hunting and outdoors just completely out of shape and I had no business being out there. And those are the times, like you said, you know, the hard part, the, you know, that's in my mind at the time it wasn't fair, but it was fair because I, I, I screwed myself by not training properly and not getting out there and getting ready. So, you know, kind of to the conversation we had last time is, you know, if we, if we continually train and prepare all year long, when we get out there in the suck, it's just going to be that much better. And we're going to, we're going to make our own, our own luck and our opportunity. It's just going to be that much better. I mean, when you can get yourself back to a place where nobody else can be, I mean, if you're a hunter, that's, that's where you want to be. And so, you know, the harder the suck, the better it is, I think. So I think you're absolutely right, Jack. And I think you said it last time we're on, and I know uh, Cam Haynes says it, you know, that hunt can't be the hardest day that you've ever had. The training up to the point, you know, you should have a harder training day than you ever have a hunting day. Yeah, absolutely. And those are the conversations that have to be had when you're applying that in a mentor sphere, right? There's so many things that we, we as hunters can't control that are happening throughout the hunt, right? Wind shifts and thermals and things like that have some predictability, but, you know, weather and, you know, wind shifting and the anim- just animals being animals, there's so much that can't be controlled. So the preparation has to be that, right? The luck has to be that trying to control what you can control. And in a mentor role, you know, explaining all that nuance to somebody new is certainly a challenge, but it's incredibly rewarding too. No, I, I fully believe that. And, and that's so well said. I think, you know, and then going the opposite direction from my buddy, James, there's another guy that I've, you know, helped, helped him hunt. And, you know, his thing is watching YouTube and checking all this. And, you know, he's a big fan of Cam Haynes and, you know, he's gone out and, none of what he visualizes is actually working his way towards that accomplishment. So, you know, we've had a lot of, you know, and that's really, I guess, 
that's when as a mentor, you really sort of earn your pay, so to keep is, you know, kind of turning that mindset around, showing them that, you know, the harder we work, the better success we're going to have, you know, and the harder you work before we get out there and, the you know, scout your maps and scout, you know, live if you can and, you know, learn the territory and all of those pieces combined. Those are the nuances you're probably talking about and those things you can't see on YouTube and you can't see, you know, can't Google it and say, you know, this is how I'm going to hunt you. Perfect example when we were talking about JJ, you know, the guy that, that we were talking about earlier, you know, we put on a stock and like a four hour stock on this couple of nice bucks got over the ridge. I mean, we, it kicked our ass and that sucked. It did suck. And one little snap of a twig and bam, they're gone. And there's four hours of your day gone and you're just burned out. You know, you're feeling down, you're feeling dejected. And it's just like, so then you got to bring yourself back from that. So I think that's where, you know, I think Jack, you, you, you stated it so well last time, you know, bringing those people back, bringing them, you know, back under the tent poles, bringing them into a positive experience. I think that's where our work is cut out for us and being a mentor. Yeah, I'm going to be a mentee myself. Um, I was exceptionally fortunate this year. I put in for the first ever Virginia elk hunt, and I'm one of five people out of 31,519 to draw an elk tag for the first time. <laughs> you know, ever. So I'm taking In 200 years. <laughs> so, um, I get to go down to, uh, Buchanan, Bath and Withy counties. It's down right along, uh, Kentucky and West Virginia, where they all three come together. And that's where the, you know, the old mining, uh, Talus has been reclaimed. So it's reclaimed land and that's where they've re they the elk could be reintroduced and they've regenerated. So, um, I'm, I'm going to be a noob going down there, but I'm taking uh, a, uh, one of my friends with me who's a new hunter, a, an adult onset hunter. And so I'll be mentoring him, but I'll be just as much of a noob on, on an elk hunt as he is. And I'm just, you know, I've been hunting a lot longer, but I haven't been elk hunting a lot longer. So we'll, we'll see how this goes, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the hard work to getting out there and getting that opportunity to be, you know, one of the, you know, first humans to uh, be approaching these these elk in a in a hunting uh, situation, and it's an interesting nuance because, <laughs> yes, you will be a mentee and a mentor in this situation, but so will all the other four dudes who drew this tag as well, because nobody's hunted elk in Virginia since Daniel Boone's time, right? Since the 18th century. So it's new for everybody, which is really interesting. It's not like, you know, you go out West and you can go, go to the local diner and talk to some, you know, some old guy at the, at the counter drinking his coffee. And he can tell you everything about everything in that Valley. Uh, this'll be new to everybody. Yeah. It's exciting. You know, I'm, I, when, when I got the call, I, it, it just, it went to my voicemail because I, I looked at the phone and it wasn't a uh, number that I recognized. And then during a commercial, I, I, I listened to it and I had my face just went like straight. And my wife's like, is everything okay? Is somebody dead? I'm like, no, no. I, I got I to gotta elk cutting. I'm going elk cutting. And she's like looking at me like, oh, where? I'm like in Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. I'm like, yeah, I put in, you know, I, I put in for that, I put in that $8 uh, elk draw, you know, 
eight months ago. And, you know, I've never, I put in for all kinds of hunts in Virginia and never got any, you know, any of the, the wildlife management area hunts. Boom. The first time something big comes, you know, and then, you know, $41 later, I got an elk tag. <laughs> That's incredible, man. Can you say the figure again out of how many people? It's somewhere like it's 31,000 and I think 519. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> five dudes out of that number that's incredible what an incredible opportunity and you know they want to make it big in virginia the first one so you know they're they're going to be real helpful for us on on where to go and you know so you know that's probably the the best odds i have at elk hunting <laughs> probably in my in my lifetime i'm sure wow that's amazing man congratulations that is just that's awesome like you know even here in nevada we have quite a few elk tags that get handed out and you know, this year I got skunked completely again. So kudos to you. I, I hope you, you know, being in the mentor and the mentee role, I think I, I just, you know, just in talking to you and kind of understanding where we're all coming from, I, I think that in and of itself is just going to make things that much better. And just imagine the experience from that very first hunt that you're going to have for anybody else who comes along. I mean, that's, you know, that's mentor awesomeness i guess you would call it so good for you man that's awesome yeah i might have to uh get a journal out and uh post an article on the hle article board i would love that man that'd be incredible and i think you totally should because this i mean this is a not to overstate it at all this is historic and this is monumental with huntable elk populations being returned to their native habitat that they once used to you know, uh, roam and be established on, well-established. Um, and then as soon as we came over here from Europe in the 16, 1700s, the, those populations started disappearing and moving further and further west. I mean, we used to, you, we used to have elk down here in Georgia. And uh, it's really cool, this this elk reestablishment that's going on across across the country. And I know Pennsylvania and Virginia and North Carolina and other states like that are trying to get it up to Kentucky as well. I know they have a hunting season as well, um, but it's really cool, man. Really, really cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah, you should definitely journal and document. Um, keep track of that, even if just for your own sake. But hey, I'll throw it on the website in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'd be glad to do it. I'm, I look forward to it. That you know, I want to take pictures. My my buddy and I are gonna uh, put on GoPros and see what we can do if we can get some good footage. And uh, just, you know, make as much of it as we can. And, you know, it's it's a testament to the conservation effort of us hunters us that buy licenses and buy guns and get the Pittman-Robertson monies back into these states to be able to um, reintroduce populations that were extirpated long ago. And then bring them back. And to me, this is, you know, I grew up, you know, went to college to be a game warden, as I talked last time. So to, to see this and be part of this experience, like you said, for me, it's historical. It's 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 amazing. I'm and I, I'm so looking forward to it, and I, and I want to share it. So, you know, I will write up a journal, and maybe you know we can you know turn that into. Uh, a, a good article and with some hopefully with some really good pictures not just of of the woods but maybe of a uh, you know elk on on the hoof and then maybe elk elk uh, being carried out quartered up 
Man, that's awesome. That That is incredible. I've been on quite a few elk hunts and um, that's one hunt that is just amazing, you know, and if you are in the right place at the right time and you can start, you know, cow calling and getting them to start calling back, it's just like this whole, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like a feeling, I guess. You're just out there and everything is kind of reverberating off of you and that's just awesome, man. Good for you. I think that's going to be awesome, so. You're going to have a wonderful time regardless of what happens. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I was just watching uh, uh, Steve Rinella on uh, Meat Eater. He was out bow hunting out west with uh, Phelps from Phelps Game Calls, and they were calling in, and they both they both arrowed, you know, monsters. <laughs> Amazing. You know, 30 yards away, they brought these things in. So it was, uh, you know, I was, I was just – I was watching that just for you – know, just to try to – put it all in like a perspective for me of just how am- amazing this, this is going to be even to, if I can get one calling or even if I can, you know, get to see one that that's, that's got some antlers. Now, is it a bow tag or a rifle tag? That's oh, rifle tag. I, I think you can use anything right now. It's the first on. So, Oh, I'd take a rifle. 100%. Mr. Jackson's <laughs> <laughs> Jack taking his, his Kimber 308 that weighs yeah. uh five and a half pounds yeah don't don't limit yourself <laughs> for sure <laughs> no sir <laughs> yeah. right man that's so that's awesome. really cool and so i mean that's just going to be one more uh one more piece of experience in your pack for you know for that mentoring piece and i think that as we go along you know and as we get older and as we age and i think you know you and i are probably the two oldest dudes in hunt lift eat and I think it's kind of cool because, you know, we have a lot of experience starting from, you know, kind of what we talked about before, uh, shitty mentors all the way up to some of the greatest mentors that we've ever had. And then, you know, you get to pick and choose what kind of mentor you want to be based on the experiences that you've had with your mentors. So this is just one more one more notch on your on your gun stock, man. That's great. Yeah, it's a really good point. So like going off of that, Ian, what kind of mentor are you? What What is important to you? What do you value in that role prior to the hunt? Like, what does that lead up look like? And then like, what conversations are you having with whoever you're taking out? And then when you're out on the mountain, what what kind of role do you find yourself in as far as like the men- being the mentor that you want to be? I think I really try my very best to, like we talked about before, always, always, I think my number one priority is to make a positive experience. Sometimes people say, well, what's positive about a hundred pound pack on your back, you know, hiking up, you know, 13,000 feet of elevation gain for all day. It's like, well, if you want to be there, first of all, you're there for the same reasons that we're there. So then based on that, you know, I want to be the person that's, you know, hey, how's your pack doing? And, you know, these are some adjustments we can make. And it just kind of, as you go along the way, not that you can take away the suck, but you can really sort of adjust it and and remove it to a certain extent or make it less. And I think as you go along, you know, if you're if you're that mentor that leads by experience, you know, you're not whining about it and you're not bitching about it. And, you know, if you see some trash along the way and somebody just dropped it, you know, you throw it in your pack or your pocket. I mean, there's things like that that you just do that people just notice right and so then you get out there and it's like hey i know you're exhausted i'm exhausted but we got to get up at three get to the top of that ridge so we can glass first thing in the morning 
and, and you're willing to do that with them. I mean, it's like being a good supervisor. I think, you know, if you're, if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and work along your, alongside with your, your guys, I think people look at that and go, wow, okay, so this is the right way to go. And this is, so that's the kind of mentor I like to be. I mean, by example. So I, I don't think we would be any sort of mentor if, you know, we just said, Hey, you know, I'm going to kick back here in camp. You go ahead and hike that hill and tell me what you see. And then if you, if I hear the gun go off, I'll be there in about an hour after you start packing that thing out. Right. So yeah, I, I, I tend to want to be in the thick of it and I get more excited, you know, when we have successes and little successes and, you know, like a little bit, like we talked about last time, I, I want to be there. And that experience as a mentor can be as simple as, you know what, man, I know you're destroyed. Here's a baby wipe. Here's a flask of bourbon. Let's just chill for a little bit. You know, let's get your feedback under you, you know, feel yourself, get a little cleaned up, get, get some fresh. And then we'll get back at it in a couple of hours, you know, grab a snack, you know, it's like, make it good, make it a good experience and, and be the guy that kind of leads them to that good experience. I think that's the mentor that I like to be, or I try to be. I love that. What about, uh, what about you, Jack? Where do you find yourself? I know you have a, uh, a varied background as well with federal law enforcement and, and the Marine Corps. Where do you, where do you find yourself when you're in the mentor role? Well, to to kind of follow on from where Ian said is one of the last things he said was was lead and leader. The base word in leadership is lead. That means you're you're taking the front. You're 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 showing. You're you're leading from the front. Um, and so I I, I kind of use that. You know, I always tell people that word leadership and love are the two uh, most overused L words in the English language. A lot of people talk about leadership and they, and they really mean management or supervision, not, not actually leading. And, and one thing I really took away from being a scout leader was um, most everything that scouts do uses the edge method, which is explain, demonstrate, guide, and then enable. So whenever you, want a young boy or girl in the scouts to be able to complete a task first you have to explain then you're going to demonstrate it then you're going to guide them so that's kind of like hands-on with them and then you've enabled them to do it on their own so i, I really kind of like that methodology uh, I, I think that's one of the best things i learned from scouting and and each older scout has to use that methodology to teach a younger scout. And and that's great mentorship early on. They don't really know that they're being a mentor, but, but they are everything from starting a fire, you know, to, you know, setting up a, a, a wood cutting area, any of the things that the, the scouts putting up a tent, you know, here, let me show you how, you know, this is what we do to set up a tent, you know, lay the stuff out like this. Okay, I'm gonna you know show you how to do it. I'm gonna help you do it, and then I want you to do it. So that's the kind of way I look at mentorship. I want people to actually fail when they're doing it <laughs> after after we've gone through it all. Because like I said, you you learn more from doing it the wrong way. Because uh, you like I said, you leave that indelible mark on. Okay, yeah, that didn't work so good. You know, the first time you have a ten pole smack you in the forehead. You know, when you're trying to jam it in, and you get those. Uh, rubber rubber uh, insides and the, you get that aluminum tent pole smack you right in the nose. Yeah, you'll, you, you, you won't do that again. So 
that, that's kind of the way I like. I like to be able to show them, you know, and get them to the point that they're enabled, but then let them go on their own and then make those small mistakes that they can recover from. That's not, you know, we, like we said, we don't want them to have a bad time, but you, you want them to be able to do it on their own. So that's kind of my methodology. I love that. I've never heard that acronym before. And that's just thinking through you explaining that that's exactly how I teach in the classroom. And that's exactly how I coach my sports, whether it's, you know, teaching uh, sophomores how to write a good thesis for a paper, you know, explain what it is, what is the purpose of a thesis. All right. Now watch me do one. Let's look at this prompt. I'll do one. Right. And then show them the the parts of it and then have them do it. Uh, or, you know, I, I coach a lot of sports year round and for cross country, I run with my kids for swim team. I swim with my kids. Um, like today demonstrating new strokes, like for these little six year old kids, I'm in the water with them, showing them how to do it. And then, you know, <laughs> I had two kids out of the water today, taking their arms and <laughs> swinging them around, showing them how to do butterfly correctly, guiding them, I guess. So that's really cool. I, I like that acronym. I like that acronym a lot. And it's really important because one of my weaknesses, I think, when I've been in the mentor role is like, say it's getting dark and you're back at camp and you got to, there's a lot that has to happen to, to get dinner going, to get whatever, whether you're setting up a tent when you're getting in late or whatever, when you're getting back to camp and everybody's tired and the last thing you want to do is camp chores. Sometimes I tend to find myself like just like trying to do it all real quick because I know how to do it. Um and it's important to take a step back and let, you know, whoever you're mentoring or the new guy uh, or gal do it, even though it may be slower or they may not know how to do it um, and, and take a step back and kind of let them do it and have, have the small failures like, like you're talking about, because that's, you know, one of the best ways to learn, right? Yeah, we were at a mountain man camp with the boys and I told them, I said, uh, gentlemen, look at me. I haven't missed too many meals in my life. When I have, I haven't been happy about it. We have to cook our own food. So that means we have to make a fire every morning. I'm an early riser. I'm not going to be making the fire every day because that's cheating. Like like you were saying, a lot of times you feel like ah, I can do it quicker, more efficiently, more effectively. <clears throat> and I explained to them, you need to shave you know, these little, little, you have to whittle some shaving so you can make, start that fire with that kindling every night and put it on your sleeping bag so it dries out. And I said, we have a tarp over there. I want you to put the bigger pieces of wood underneath the tarp, the dry wood that you find so it doesn't get wet. And I'm like, every morning after we're done with the bacon grease, I want you to mop it up with a paper towel and then put that in a plastic bag and then put it up in the bear sack and lift it up because that will start a fire quickly too. So I said, there I've explained it. I'll demonstrate it. I'll help guide you the first day and hopefully you're now enabled for the next six days because Mr. Jack wants to eat. <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. And it is. And I think you're right, Carter. I think, you know, we, because we have the experience, we tend to want to just get it done and get things done. And, you know, especially if you've been humping it all day and it's just, you know, maybe the weather comes in or, you know, you just, you would be better off getting it done quickly, but then you got to, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to think that that's not, that's not going to help the person that you're guiding or leading. So you really do have to kind of slow yourself down and really kind of figure that out. 
next thing you know, they're, they're on it. And, you know, by demonstrating and guiding them, I think they, they, they take the lead themselves. And I think that's, that's a wonderful handoff to see that. And once they do those small victories are, I appreciate other people being successful and accomplishing something more so than I do now with regards to hunting. I get more hyped for somebody I'm hunting with than myself. Uh, For example, we were in Wyoming this past October hunting mule deer, and I'm new to hunting out west and new to hunting mule deer, but it was my uh, third trip out there. Um, And so I definitively remember when my mentor taught me how to spot mule deer in the in the foothills of the bighorns, they blend in, they're like invisible. And as a dude from the East coast, I, it took me probably two or three days, honestly, to get good at spotting them on hillsides. Cause everything, it was sage, sagebrush and, and Brown. And I was like, there's not a single living thing out here. And then by two day, two or three, they started popping up and you, you look for the white butts and you look for the tail flicker and you look for the ear flicker. And then, and then they start highlighting themselves on the hillsides. Um, and it was so cool translating that to my buddy Cole, who's a, a fellow uh, HLE team member as well. It, I got to take him on his first trip this year. And when he, on day two, when he started spotting deer for himself, that was the coolest because it was a, di- it's a different type of glassing and it's a new skill and kind of showing him how to scan and do that kind of stuff. And with my limited experience, but. Um, it was still so cool when he was like, oh my gosh, there's deer over there and a deer over there. And, you know, he was pointing out deer that I wasn't seeing. That's like, that is the, that's the pinnacle of the mentor mentee relationship to me. That's the old, uh, I I know Ian and I grew up at at the same time. So, um, there was the old, uh, show called Kung Fu with David Carradine and they had the old master in there and he said, uh, when you can snatch the pebble from my hand, grasshopper. And so that's kind of how I look at it. When you're, when, when your trainee, when the person that you're trying to mentor snatches the pebble, cause they're quicker than you are. Um, it's just like you said, the, your, your friend was, Nicole was, was better at spotting the deer after a while. And that's what we're looking for. When the, when the mentee can actually outdo the mentor, then you've really succeeded. Oh, without a doubt. And that is probably the the pinnacle of those trips. You know, you get out there and, you know, I've been out there and it's like, even I'm pretty good at it. And, you know, I wasn't seeing things. And then I said, you know, you got to watch the shadows and inside of the, you know, in the mahoganies, it's like, and I'm sure that you've probably saw that Carter. It's just the, you know, in, in the mule deer that the sun starts to move and where there was nothing, all of a sudden there's 20 deer. And then all of a sudden there's like another 10 down below and like, man, I didn't see any of those. And then your, your mentee is like, Oh, there's some, and there's some over there. And it's like, you're like, yeah, now you got two sets of eyes. And so basically, you know, like going back to the Kung Fu thing, you know, when they snatch the pebbles out of your hand, now you got two proficient people out there. And that's a big part of, I, I think that's the ultimate goal of being a mentor, right? You're making somebody, proficient, respectful of the wild, you know, the outdoors, the wild game, you're making them respectful of, you know, what we have. And, you know, going back to your elk hunt, we're we're respectful about, you know, regenerating, you know, species and taking care of the land and taking care of the animals. When you've accomplished that in your mentee, 
I, I don't think there's any bigger reward than that. I mean, if you don't, if you don't come out of there with, with something killed, that is, is sometimes even better. I mean, that's really the, what you're looking for. And when those people go off and do it themselves, you know, or they go out and mentor somebody else the way that you taught them to mentor, man, is that, that's the ultimate for me. You know, when they go out and say, yeah, I showed them what you showed me and we did this. And it's like, yes, that's incredible. I mean, those things for me, that just, that highlights my entire life in the outdoors. And that's kind of where we were talking about last time, you know, the R3, you know, recruitment. Hey, look, if we can reactivate or recruit, and then the person that we've mentored is doing the same thing, or just big hugs underneath that tent pole, we're just getting more people to bring in there. And, and then we're getting more of those Pittman Robertson dollars in to help, you know, conservation efforts. And we have more hands out there, you know, you know, building wood duck nests for Ducks Unlimited and, and, and you know, clean stream, uh, cleaning the streams. Yeah, just more people to, to help out so we can continue living this lifestyle that we love so much. Oh, yeah, I think, you know, without a doubt, Jack, that's um to me, that's, that's one of the big highlights. I mean, I love hunting and I'll go out by myself, but I don't think there's anything as awesome as taking somebody who's new or a little bit more or a little bit less experience. And, you know, you bring them up to that level and then they carry on. I think that's so much more rewarding than just, just being out there. Being out there is incredible. But when you put that on top of it, man, that's just like, that's the icing on the cake. Now, if Luke was on here, I don't want to speak uh, speak out of turn here, but if Luke was on here, he would tell you if he has a tag in his pocket, this is how he likes to operate. If he has a tag in his pocket, he's going. He is a very driven individual, and he's going. He's like, you can come with me. Come, come camp. We'll be in the same camp, you know, do the whole deer camp thing, hang out. But when it's hunting time, I'm going, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm going to go find a deer or an antelope, or whatever tag he has. As soon as I get one on the ground, then I'm putting as much effort as I did into my animal into helping you get yours. But he has, he says that he just has to differentiate that way. He can't, he can't do both at the same time. He's like, I'm, you're, you're a grown ass man. I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm like, all right, man, just go off, do your thing. Once you get one down, then, and to his credit, he does put as much effort into other folks getting an animal as his own. But he's like, I just can't, I just can't do both. I got to focus on one and then I got to focus on the other one. Well, that makes a lot of sense though. But I think, you know, when we're talking about examples, that's also a very good example. I mean, if you're, if you're going to exemplify focus, drive and determination, I mean, that's just another piece of being a mentor. You know, you're going to learn that and then, you know, work with it. So I think that's great. We all have our own different, different strengths, I guess you would call it. Yeah. All pieces of the puzzle for sure. Um, would you guys have, we're doing a new, a new, uh, another series coming up on advice for new hunters, which I think would be really interesting. We're going to get guys from all over the HLA team from all over the United States to talk about their specific region and their types of hunting. Um, because obviously I can't speak to, you know, Nevada mule deer or elk, but Ian can, and I certainly can't talk about Wisconsin deer hunting, but Jack can. 
Um, but there are going to be some lessons that do translate, you know, across, across the country for, for new folks. But, um, do y'all have any advice or basic tips that you can think of that you give your guys that you've mentored or that you can think of, um, just basic advice for, for new hunters or folks looking to get into, uh, hunting in the outdoors? You got to be experiential. You got to get out there that nothing you can watch as many YouTube videos. You can read as many bow hunter magazines as you want. You can read American Rifleman. I mean, you can, but until you get out into the woods, until you experience being cold, wet, tired, hungry, hot, and sweaty, being tick bitten like you were today, <laughs> finding a tick on you. Um, I, nothing will replace that. So for kind of my, my thing to new people, you, 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 once, once you have a mentor and they kind of set you up, nothing will replace getting out there and, 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 and doing it and being, and being outside. And like we talked about, you know, it, it's, it's miserable sometimes, but that's where it's the best. So you have to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable as they say. So, I, I know that might be uh, off, often used and overused, but it, it, it's true. It's a truism. Get out there and be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, are you lost? No, you're just walking in the wrong place. You know, just you know, figure, figuring stuff out on your own is 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 a is a great thing. I would fully second that. You know, and, and along those lines, you know, about experiencing it, I say, you know, be be thoughtful when you're out there, be aware, you know, keep your eyes and ears open. And, you know, we're not just taking in the deer or the antelope or the elk, whatever it is we're hunting. I mean, we're taking in our environment and what does this look like? And, you know, we just, we just spotted 20 bucks. Where were they? You know, part of that experience that you're talking about, Jack, is identifying those, those circumstances, identifying the characteristics and identifying if you're walking in the wrong place. And, you know, I, I would fully agree with that. And that's, that's the most basic, I think the most basic direction you can give somebody is just experience it fully, absorb it, um, you know, get into it with your eyes and your ears and feel it and your senses. And, you know, when you're sweaty and dirty and, and, or you're freezing or you're wet, it's like, that's part of the experience, embrace it. And I think that's, that's definitely something that we, we pass along. And, you know, being in the, uh, the animals that we're hunting, um, what are they doing when you see them? You know, are they in a bedding area? Are they moving through to uh, a browse area? You know, is there, is there a food plot? Uh, what, what acorn trees are they under? Like we talked about last week, the, you know, the white acorn versus the red acorn. Um, what are other prey and predators doing out there? You know, if you see a wolf, is it stalking something? You know, what's, what is it doing? Is it, what's a coyote doing? There are a lot of things you can learn just by watching these animals and where they are. And then, you know, think to yourself, okay, why, why would this animal animal be, you know, over here in a, in a juniper thicket, you know, is it, is it trying to stay safe from another animal or is it, is it bedding? And, you know, those are those things, you know, why explain, explain to yourself, Hey, why, why is that the way it is? Yeah. Constantly questioning, I think is really good. Yeah. Asking questions while you're, when you're outdoors is, 
always a great way to go. Never a waste of time. And I think, you know, you being a teacher, Carter, and I've been in the classroom before too. It's like, I mean, the whole, that stereotypical, you know, verse about there's no stupid questions except the one that goes unasked. And I think, man, ask questions. You're out there with a a guy that has experience. If there's something you don't know, you don't got to be that, you know, that tough guy that's going to walk into a poison ivy or whatever because you don't know. Ask, you know, ask. There's That's what we're there for. That's what being a mentor is about. And, you know, in the gym, we're always writing down in a little notebook, okay, I did this many reps on, on this exercise on this day. Uh, why couldn't I squeak out a few more? Well, it's the same thing in the woods. Take a notebook with you. Jot down notes on stuff that you see, you know, questions that you had, you know, what did you see out that day? You'd be amazed at the, some of the things that you can figure out. I mean, my folks used to watch birds come in and they kept the bird calendar. And every year they could tell you within a couple of days when the uh, Baltimore Orioles were you know, going to be flying through or a rose-breasted gross beak, you know, within a week. It was pretty amazing that they were, my folks would be, oh, look at that. It's, it's, it's May. This bird should be coming through here pretty soon. Just by watching over time and keeping a calendar of when they spotted these things, they could tell you, and it, you know experiential right there no i think you're fully right about that and i think you know immersing yourself in that experience i I think that's as a mentor i think if we can get the people that we're showing and the people that we're bringing out to immerse themselves in that whole experience that the way that you're describing jack i think we just make people love love it the way that we do and i think I think that's a form that's a, I, I, in my opinion, I think that's how we honor the outdoors, right? That's how we honor the the animals that we want. And that's how we honor the wilderness. And, you know, when we show it to somebody else and we sort of bring them into it the way that's honorable to all of those pieces, I think that's when you become um, a pretty solid mentor, regardless of what you shoot, regardless of what you hunt. I think when you get your mentee to that place, I think you're, you're pretty solid all the way around. Yeah, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. It was a big natural resource school. And one of the deans of the college, Christine Thomas, started a whole program called the Bow Program, Becoming an Outdoor Woman. And it was all women mentoring other women to get them into the outdoors. And it was highly successful. I think it even made a, a bit of a national run. Um, you know, trying to get more women, like we talked about, getting more more people uh, under the tent poles with us, and and, and I was was always very impressed uh, by uh, Dean Christine Thomas uh, for for being able to do that, and and I think that's you know she she saw that there was a, an underrepresented population, and uh, you know did something you know to help that here in Virginia along Burke Lake they've made. Uh, access points for for those folks who um have problems like getting out along to fish and so they're wheelchair accessible so if there's you know if they if they have an issue they they have these nice ramps that go right over the water so they can you know cast in easy and they can you know move a wheelchair or or, or some type of device to help them if they're on a walker to get into a point where they can go fishing so those are some other things we might be able to do is try to help more of those folks who have, who have uh, 
ability, you know, I hate to say disability, but, you know, who have issues with getting into the woods, if we could, you know, maybe bring a few more of those folks under our tent and, and try to find out from them how, how can we best serve you to get you out into the, to the outdoors? Yeah, I think it's a noble question and a noble pursuit. And uh, I think we're asking the right questions here. And, you know, this, this shouldn't ever be an exclusive group. Um, although sometimes hunters can be our own worst enemy. Um, for the most part, I think at least certainly all of us here at HLE, all, all the team members here, um, listeners, if you ever have any questions, you know, you got three dudes right here, you can message anytime. Um, and I don't know much and I'll probably kick you to one of these two. And if they don't know it, we'll find somebody who does know it. Um, and I think if you want to, I think it'd be a good goal for, for all of us, maybe more experienced hunters to maybe take someone who's never been hunting out this fall, maybe work that into your plans. And, you know, maybe instead of planning your rutcation during November, maybe you plan to go hunt a double tree stand or take somebody with you for, for a trip instead. Um, or if you're somebody who's listening and maybe hasn't been and wants to go shoot, shoot some, shoot someone a message, shoot one of us a message and anybody on HLE and we'll try, we'll try our damnedest to make it happen. We got folks all over the place, so we'll make it happen. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm all for it. It's, uh, like I said, that, that's the whole motto is trying to get more folks under the tent poles and, and however we can do it and make it happen. You know, and if it's, uh, if we got to change plans on a weekend to uh, accomplish that, then hey, it helps us all out in the end. True story. I, I would be completely willing to um, take that on. So hopefully some of our listeners, you know, maybe there's that nervousness or anxiety about doing it. I'd be way more than happy. And I, I'm sure Jack, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm sure you would do the same. I would be happy to take a newbie out and start a new mentee-mentor relationship. I think that's what it's all about. For me, that is, like I said earlier, that's the ultimate accomplishment for me when you see your mentee take off. Yeah, 100%. I, I totally agree. And I'm glad we got on for part two, guys. Um and this certainly isn't the end of our of our conversations or our podcast endeavors here. Uh, just the end of this one. But uh, Jack, you got any closing thoughts for us? Like I said last time, we we just kind of hit it again. Hey, find find someone that you know. Find one person this year to help get out to the outdoors, whether it's hunting, fishing, um, just out in the woods hiking, whatever you can do. Find one person who doesn't do it. Get that person out there. If they have a friend who's never been out, take two people. But, but let's make a set of goal, all of us on HLE, to get one other person who hasn't out into the woods, get more folks under the tent poles, get that big group hug going so we can enjoy the lifestyle that we're, we're enjoying. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to be a mentee this year myself, too. I'm going to be picking everybody's brain on, on elk hunting. And, you know, like I said, I, I know there are not a whole lot of them in Virginia, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be the start of it. I love it. And where can folks find you on Instagram, Jack, in case they do have questions? Uh, it's uh Jack Rass. You'll see my, my uh, nice blaze orange cap that I have up in my tree stand. So it's uh, with my lovely Viking bearded face and my, my, my bald pate. <laughs> Perfect. Got any closing thoughts for us? 
I do, you know, and, and a lot of it is along the same lines as Jack was talking about. You know, we we love it so much. Maybe sometimes we forget how good we have it, you know, and and maybe some of that is about getting more people under the tent post. And I think I think as mentors, as persons with experience, I would fully accept Jack's challenge, and um, I'm going to bring a couple newbies under this year, and I'm take a couple of old ones out, and we'll be at it again. But <clears throat> I think that just is let's make a domino effect, and I think that domino effect, if we make it a positive experience, it's going to totally fulfill our goals and our mission in this group. So that would make me completely ecstatic. I love that. Absolutely love that. And uh, I don't I don't have much to add, fellas. Nothing more significant than anything you all have said already. I'd be a terrible history teacher if I didn't point out the fact that we're recording this on June 6th, the anniversary of the D-Day invasions of Normandy, a uh, pretty monumental event in history 78 years ago. And uh, also during June, your your fellow brothers fighting in World War One, the Battle of Bellawood. Jack. Tuffle Hunden, Devil Dogs. Yeah. Tough fought battle in the deep, dark woods of France against the German entrenchment there, man. Yeah, just had to point that out. I don't know when this is going to come out, but I'd be kicking myself if I didn't mention it. But <laughs> hey, as always, uh, Jack, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for coming on, um, coming on this evening. Listeners, we appreciate the hell out of you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.